0: As a kid, I don't know if you could tell or not, but I was introverted. Like I didn't, like I had friends, but I always liked to do things kind of by myself. Like I would just go and do things by myself. And so with my friends, like I had fun, like we'd get in trouble, we'd do all that kind of stuff. But I never felt like I belonged. Like I never felt like I fit in with my friends. Like I never felt safe. I never felt like I could let anybody really know what I thought or what I felt because I thought if they knew me, like if the people I was around, if they really knew me, like who I really am, not who I show, not 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 the face I put on, but if they really knew me, then they wouldn't accept me. So fast forward to, to eighth and ninth grade, whenever I started coming to church, I knew I wasn't holy. Like I knew I have done a lot of bad stuff. I knew that I wasn't perfect, and I, I knew that everybody who was in the building besides me, I knew they were better than me. And so that's the, that's the idea I had of coming in. Like I'm, like, I'm nobody. These people, like, they're Christians. Of course, they're, they're holy. And so I thought that I was not good enough. And then, again, whenever I, I made friends there, like, we had fun, but I never felt safe. Like, I never felt like anybody there actually knew me. Like if they really knew who I was, if they knew the things that I had done, then they wouldn't accept me. They're like, "Why, why would you even be in church right now if they knew the thoughts that I was thinking while I was there? And then after a while, we started going to this thing called connect groups. And connect group, it's a lot like fam night because we would go and we'd meet um, all across uh, the town. I get, we'd meet every couple weeks on a Sunday night. In um, my youth group, we had like 150, 200 kids. So we'd break up into smaller groups. And so the connect group I was with, it was just the glimpole kids. And so we would come together, it, just like a fam night, we'd play games, we'd eat food, we'd have Bible study. I remember one of the games we played, we'd get water balloon, like launchers, and we'd launch them at each other's chests and stuff. We had a lot of fun. Not frozen water balloons. But during those connect group nights, we begin to grow closer. We begin to form a community. We're able to share stuff about our past that we would not have shared otherwise. In that group, we felt known and we felt connected. My question for you tonight is where do you feel most known? Where do you feel like you're the most connected? Where do you feel like you can be yourself? Like the most you. Like the you that you know who you are on the inside. Where can you show that the most? We're in this series that's called My Revival. A revival is people awakening to God. It's people understanding the, who God is and what God wants to do in life. When one person says yes to Jesus, that is a revival in life. And whenever a lot of people come and say yes to Jesus, that is a revival. And so last week we talked about how the disciples, they went from being afraid. Think about it. The, the disciples of Jesus. They literally saw this guy walk on water. They saw this guy raise people from the dead. The 12 disciples of Jesus, after Jesus was dead, they were hiding behind locked doors because they thought they were going to be killed next. We saw how they went from being scared to going and actually preaching about Jesus to the same people who just killed Jesus, saying, you need to believe in him. And what was the result? The result was a revival. The result was 3,000 people came to know Jesus. And so we're going to pick up the story right after that, right after the story where it says 300 people came to Jesus. This is where the story picks up. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and a fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and a prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles, apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, they met together in one place, And they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and met in homes for Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. In each day the Lord added to the fellowship of those who were being saved." So that's the early church. Like whenever we see like what the first Christians did, what the early church did, that is what they did. So let's break down what they did. Here's 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 what we know the early church did. They devoted themselves to teachings, which basically they went and they devoted themselves to sermons and Bible studies. They devoted themselves to fellowship, which basically just coming together, coming to church. Christians, they they devoted themselves to coming together. They devoted themselves to sharing meals together. That's my favorite. Like like they, they devote themselves to sharing meals because they knew that if you share a meal together, then that is an intimate setting where you get to know somebody. An interesting fact whenever you read through the Gospels, everywhere Jesus was going, he was always going to somebody's house to have a meal with that person. Think about that. Like food is important, and that's one of my favorite parts of that passage. They shared meals together. Like we always have to eat, right? They shared everything that they had. It says they literally sold their houses. They had property, in the Christians, they sold their houses, and they used the money that they sold the house with to give to other Christians so that everybody was able to have everything that they needed. Like this was a group, the early church, they were a group that they cared for each other. They all had each other's back, and they worshiped together each day. And this message, is not a, it's not a list of things that we should do or not do. It's not, a, it's not a list to make us feel bad, like this is what we need to do. This is a message about what community identity looks like. My question is, what is your community? Because early church, this is what authentic community looks like. Coming together regularly was an important part of what it means to be a Christian. Whenever people think that the church is supposed to be a boring place, like, and that's kind of what the idea that we get of church whenever, like, either if we've never been to church before, or we think about what church was throughout history, we think that church is supposed to be a boring place. But we see in the early church that it was definitely anything but boring. Like, the early church, this was a group of people who were literally being hunted down for their faith. Like, everywhere they went, like, if they told somebody that they were a Christian, like, they could have been killed. Like, there's some times in, in early church history that they couldn't even tell anybody where church was going to be at that week. Because if they told somebody where church was going to be at, then Roman soldiers would come in and they would arrest them all and possibly kill them. So they, how they know where to go to church? They just had to listen to the Holy Spirit. Like, this is a, like, they were hunted everywhere they went. But church there, it was always a celebration, they always celebrated what God was doing. They celebrated. Whenever they were persecuted, they celebrated that they were accounted worthy to be persecuted for Jesus. And church, it's a place that it's not supposed to be boring. It's a celebration. It's a place where we can come whenever we're broken, whenever we're hurting, that we can come where we can be lifted up. It's a place where we can be encouraged, a place that we can be known. The church was a place where we can be accepted, where we can find hope church was a place where we can find joy. And then you can celebrate all that God is doing. How could they have done that? The church, they were not ever bored. They were always on an adventure. And that is how the kingdom of God is supposed to operate. It's a place where we come. The church is a place where we come so we can get built up, so that we can uh, grow stronger in our relationship with God. We can fight spiritual battles, but it's a place where we can also be encouraged and then use our gifts to encourage others because everybody needs to be encouraged. But why is this important? Why is it important to to form authentic community? And I kind of put the definition of what authentic community means. Authentic, it means genuine. It means pure. It means real. Like whenever you think of something that's authentic, it's something that is real and not fake. Because we know that if something is fake, we don't want anything to do with that. Like if you smell any fakeness on somebody, like You don't want anything to do with that person. You only want somebody who's real. You only want somebody who's going to be transparent with you. Why is it important to be real and to look out for each other? Because that is what everybody is craving. We all want to be known. We all want a place where we can come and we can be secure. Like That's why we pick the friends that we have. Like We don't want somebody who's always going to put us down. We don't want somebody who's always trying to be somebody they're not. We want somebody that we can be secure in. We want to be accepted. And only an authentic community that looks out for each other and is real and open can make that happen. Because whenever we are real, it benefits us and it benefits the group as a whole. Because whenever we are real, whenever we're honest with ourselves and we're honest with those around us, that's whenever we begin to grow in our relationship with God. And then that's whenever the whole group begins to grow. Because we see in Acts chapter 2. At the very end, it shows what the early church did. They cared for each other. They were real. They were authentic. They shared everything that they had. There was nothing hidden. And what was the result? The result was that the Lord added to the number each and every day. This is a group. like It was illegal. Like If you were this in this group, you could have been killed. So why were people being added to that group every single day? Because they were real. They had something that everybody wanted. And that was a relationship with the creator of the universe. That was, a creation, that was a relationship that was real and that was genuine. And so why did they want that? Those who are outside, they saw authentic community and they wanted authentic, authenticity. Whenever we are being who God called us to be, that is attractive to those who are dying. And That's what the Bible says. Those who are outside of the faith, they're dying spiritually, but those who are inside, we're living. It's attractive to those. And that is our ultimate goal. Like whenever we think like why do we do the things that we do? Our goal, our ultimate goal, is for we so for us, us individually to grow in our relationship with God our, our goal is for other people to come into the relationship and come and grow in their God for themselves. That's why we do everything that we do. You think about like why do, why are we here right now? Why did we just have worship? Why are we sitting in these chairs? Why why do we do this? We want to grow in a relationship, God. We want people to come in and grow in their relationship. Why do we do fam night? Why do we do pizza Wednesday? Why do we do small groups? Because we want to be real. And we want people to come in who are craving something real. My question to you tonight is, where do you feel most known? Where do you feel most connected? Where do you feel the most you? Because here's a problem. Most of the time, that's not how it actually works whenever we come to church, whenever we come to small groups, it doesn't actually feel like that. Like whenever we, whenever we see church and whenever we read what the early church was like, it, it does, always doesn't equal out the same. And that's because that's not how we're naturally wired. Like if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are private. Most of us don't really share what's going on on the inside. Most of us don't really, aren't really transparent. Most of us aren't really vulnerable. If we're honest, especially in group. Settings, But you might be like, Pastor Matt, no, that's me. In, in a group setting, I, I'm loud. I, t- I talk. That's a defense mechanism. That's you. If something serious comes up, you're trying, to, you're trying to laugh it off so that you don't actually have to deal with what the seriousness is revealing on the inside of you. Being authentic doesn't come easy. Being transparent doesn't come easy. Being who God is calling us to be, it doesn't come easy. Because we think that if people find out who we really are. Like, if people find out what I'm actually thinking, if people find out what I'm actually feeling, if they find out what I did, then they're either going to tease me, they're going to misunderstand me, or they're going to reject me. And to be honest, those are the worst feelings in the world. Like, whenever you're you're trying to be honest with somebody and they start making fun of you because that's that's a bad feeling. Whenever you start to be honest with somebody, you start to share how you feel, and they misunderstand you, that's the worst feeling in the world. But whenever you share, like, this is how I feel, this is what I'm going through. Like, this is me. And they reject you. Rejection, that's the worst feeling in the world. And once we taste what rejection feels like, once we know, like if they rejected me, they rejected who I am, once we know what that feels like, we do everything that we can to not feel that rejection again because that is one of the worst feelings in the world. And a lot of times the church, doesn't feel like a safe place. And that's a problem. That's a problem. But here's the biggest problem. The biggest problem is that it is exhausting. Like if we try to do it by ourselves, if we try trying to keep up, trying to have it all together, trying to look like we have it all together, trying to fit in, trying to figure out what you can tell somebody that you can't tell somebody else, what you can actually share, what you can't actually share, trying to fit in, trying to be liked, trying to be accepted. That is a goal that we will never reach. Like if that's your goal, like you want to fit in, you want people to like you, that is a goal that you will never reach. We will never have the energy to reach that goal. We will always be wore out, and we will always be exhausted. We can never reach that goal because that is a race that we were never meant to run. It's tiring. But, But the question I'm asking tonight is where do we find rest? Because that's tiring. Trying to do it on our own, trying to actually fit in, trying to let people actually accept you for who you really are, that is exhausting. Where do we find rest? the band will go ahead and come back. Here's a passage in Hebrews. If you've heard this passage before, pretend like this is your first time you've ever heard this passage and let the Holy Spirit speak to you through this passage. I'm just going to read it. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine. It says, so there is a special rest waiting for the people of God. We're asking, where do we find rest? Where can we not be exhausted anymore. It says we can find there's a rest waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. If we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the Word of God, for the Word of God, it's alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It's cutting between the soul and their spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing, nothing in all of creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. We're asking, where can we be known? Where can we be connected? Where can we be you. Where can we be who we really are? And the answer is God already knows who we are. The word of God, it says it's alive and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. That means whenever we read it, whenever the word of God is spoken, it it pierces our heart. It divides our soul because nothing, it says nothing is hidden from God. We're asking where can we be accepted? Where can we be vulnerable? The, The answer is God already knows. That's, that's a scary verse. Let me read that again. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Think about the thing that, that if, if, I, if I got a message on my phone of the worst thing you ever did and I read it in front of everybody right now, imagine how that would feel. The Bible says nothing is hidden from God. What do you not want anybody to know about nothing is hidden from everything, everything in our life? everything in our, in our heart, everything in our past, everything in our mind is open and exposed to God before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. That's terrifying. Like if, if we actually understand what that means, that that is terrifying. But there's good news. In the next verse, says, So then, since we have a, a great high priest who has entered into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe, the high priest who understands our weaknesses. For he faced all the same testings that we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That is good news. The first part, that's terrifying, but this is the good news because Jesus' death paid the price for our sin. Whenever we are accepted in Jesus, the Bible says that he faced every tes- testing, every temptation that we face. We face a lot of temptations and we fall all the time. We fail. We fail every day. We fail hard. The Bible says Jesus faced all the same temptations, yet he did not sin. His death was a perfect sacrifice for God. And the Bible says that he died in our place. Whenever he died on the cross, he died carrying our sins. And so whenever we are in, Jesus says we are clean. Like you think about the things we don't want anybody to know about. We think about those, and the Bible says that we are clean. We, in Jesus, we are forgiven. In Jesus, we are known because he knows everything in our hearts and minds. He already knows. The Bible says that everything is exposed before God. But but because of Jesus, we are still accepted by God. Because of Jesus, we don't have to hide anymore. Because in Jesus, we can rest. Where do we find rest? Where can we be who we really are, who God created us to be? We can only be that whenever we are in Jesus. Everything about us can be known. We don't have to hide anymore our sin, our guilt, our shame. They can be washed away whenever that happens. Whenever we come to Jesus, we can be made known. We can truly be accepted. We don't have to wonder who's going to accept us. We can truly be accepted. And whenever that becomes true for us, when that becomes true for you, you accept that. Say, Jesus, I want to be forgiven. I want to be made clean. And you truly accept that. When that happens for all of us, that is when authentic community can form because that's whenever we realize that I've done some bad things, but Jesus forgave me. The person next to me, they've done some bad things, but Jesus forgave them. And whenever we realize that, that Jesus has forgiven us, that's whenever we can truly accept everybody else. And that's whenever we can offer forgiveness. And that's whenever we can do things without judgment. That's when authentic community can be formed. That we have bowed and every eye closed.